O God, who show the light of your truth to those who go astray, so that they may return to the right path, give all who for the faith they profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all that does it honor. What a powerful prayer we began this Mass with. Give all who for the faith they profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all that does it honor. So much easier said than done. Because Christianity is demanding. And if it's not demanding, it's not worth any of our time. Right? It's an all-or-nothing game. It's either something that we commit ourselves to entirely, or it's all empty ceremony. It's one or the other. And the question that our Lord poses today is, are you radically committed to being a follower of Christ or not? In, in such a way that you reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ, and your life's sole purpose is to strive after all that does it honor. Because by being here, all of us are accounted Christians. By virtue of our baptism, that's what we profess. We say, yes, that is what I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. May our lives bear witness to that. And not this witness of, yeah, I go to church. But this witness of saying, I'm completely converted over to Christ. Every aspect of my life has been touched by His grace. If we're not going to do that, then what are we even doing here? It's that kind of a radical living out of the following of the Lord's will that all of the readings today point toward. In the first reading, we have the prophet Amos. right? And this great prophet of God, he says to this priest, this priest from the northern kingdom, he says to him, I'm not a prophet by birth, right? Because there were those uh, lines, there were these guilds of prophets, there were those who did this their whole lives, were trained for it. No, he was what? He was just essentially a farmer, right? He tended to sycamore trees, and he said that the Lord plucked me up out of that, and he called me to prophesy to the kingdom of Israel. The Lord took him out of a normal life, a life that didn't have any fanfare to it, a life that could have been lived and forgotten. And he said, no, I want more for you. But what is that more? That more was more difficulty, right? Preaching to the northern kingdom was not a very easy task. In fact, his life was threatened. He was not popular. He did not have comfort. But what he had was doing the Lord's will. What he had was a promise of eternity with the Lord that he clung to in doing his will. We might say, though, well, that's him. That's a prophet. That's not me. Who here is baptized? Raise your hand. Show of hands. Who has been baptized in this church? Oh, man, that's, that's a lot of us. I'd wager to guess that might be every single one of us here has been baptized. When you were baptized, you were baptized into the very body of Christ. And Christ is priest, prophet, king. In the very ceremony of the baptism, we actually say that you are made priest, 
prophet, king. You are more a prophet than the prophet Amos by virtue of your baptism. Because you are one with the fulfillment of all the prophets, Jesus Christ. But sometimes we forget that. And we still think, my life is just meant to be ordinary. It's meant to blend in with all of the lives of anybody else, regardless of whether they know Christ or not. And what a sad thing for us to think when we've been called to such greatness that we were destined to just blend in in kind of the mediocre current of those not going toward God, not having any purpose or direction in their life, just living maybe from weekend to weekend or from little pleasure to little pleasure and never thinking, what does God want me to do? No, God instead has chosen every single one of us here in this church to be members of his body and to act accordingly. And what does that mean? Well, it means radical trust. And we might think, well, I don't know, like I... I trust God just fine, right? I, I mean, I try to, you know, follow most of the commandments. I come to church. And all that's well and good. But I'm talking about this radical trust that we read about in the gospel. In the gospel we read, They were, however, oh, he instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick. No food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. Here, we very often kind of tame or domesticate Jesus. We think, oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was him. He was just trying to prove a point with those people, but he would never call me to something like that. We, we try to say, oh, this is kind of this fun story that teaches us that maybe I don't need the second Lamborghini, but, you know, everything else is fine. No. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ then this applies to you as much as to them. Now, does that mean that none of us are allowed to have a second coat? No, it means that we are meant to have a radical trust. One that makes the world scratch its head. One that maybe our family members that don't know Jesus Christ will not understand because they don't know the one whom we trust. They might say, you're extreme. And then we say, yes, of course I'm extreme. Like, I... I've met Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. I have the offer of eternal life. How could I pass that up by not giving myself to it totally? Because those disciples, they could have said the same stuff that we say, which keeps us from following Christ unreservedly. They could have said no walking or no food. But Jesus, you don't understand. I got to eat. I mean, maybe, like, since you're God, um, like, you can just, you know, turn rocks into bread. I can't do that, so I need to take a little bit of food with me. And, and in saying that, the disciples would be saying, yeah, Jesus, okay, fine, that's cute, but I don't actually trust you. Like, it's okay that you're sending me out, but I don't trust that you'll actually take care of me. No sack. No money in their belts. How are they possibly meant to do anything without having that money that makes the world go round? They could have made all of the sad excuses that we make, but they didn't because they realized it's not money that makes the world go round. It's the will of God that keeps it spinning. It's the will of God that they can trust in more than money, more than food, more than stuff. And yet for us, so often we're a far cry. Now, what do I mean by that practically? Is any time that we decide 
this teaching or that one, I'm okay with, but this teaching or that one, I'll just move to this side. We at that point stopped being Christians, followers of Christ. And I, for example, any time that I sin, which every, every time that I sin, I say, yes, I get God that you want me to do this, but I don't want to do that. So I'm going to follow not your will, but my will, and I become a Michaelman, right? Not a Christian. No, I'm not worshiping God and doing his will. I'm worshiping myself, and I'm doing my will. And I'm just saying, I know better than you, because you couldn't possibly understand my experience, my fears, my worries enough for me to trust you to take care of me in it. And it might sound harsh, but really, that's the reality. Every single sin is us saying, God, I don't trust you. God, I know better. And so we do it with our families. Right? With when or how many children we're going to have. Very often we say, like, God, I get that, like, I guess you should be in charge, but not of this part of my life. Our finances. You might say, like, yeah, I know, I get it, Jesus, you talk about money a lot and about how I shouldn't be attached to it and how I really should be sharing uh, with, uh, with those who are more in need, how I really should be uh, giving of it so that I don't get too attached. But, you know, just as with my family, with my bank account, I also can't really trust you. Or with our time, with our energy, with our plans. We might think, no, 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 my plans are sacred, God, more sacred than your will. And so I'm not even going to ask you what you want me to do with my life. Instead, I'm just going to bulldoze ahead with what I, in my omniscience, know is going to make me happy. And then I have to ask you a few years later, how's that working out for you? In so many ways, we forget that we were called to something greater, and that something greater is following God's will. That just as truly as Amos was plucked out of his normal existence to live at the level of being God's prophet, so by our baptism we were plucked out of the level of normal existence and called to be his priests, prophets, and kings in this world. And yet, so often, we behave like slaves to the world. So scared that maybe it'll call us radical. That maybe there will be people who say, you're trusting in God a bit too much here. That maybe we'll be looked down upon. That maybe, and here's the greatest fear, that we'll feel overwhelmed and ill-equipped to face whatever God gives us in our life. And it's at that moment that we say that simple thing. Is God worth trusting? Is God one who will never call me to something that he won't give me the strength to be able to do and to thrive in? Is he one that I can trust? Because a Christian is ultimately one who trusts Christ. It's one who trusts Christ with his or her life. One who is willing to reject any and every sin and only ever strive after that which will do Christ honor. All of us are in the boat of not having done that perfectly. That's every single person here has at least one thing that we know that we need to start rejecting better. We have one aspect of our lives where we can say, you know what, I haven't really been striving after what does the name of Christ honor. I've, I've been striving after just whatever is going to give me comfort or give me uh, attention or give me affection. Give me something, but no reference to God. 
All of us have that, and that's part of our life's work is that we're constantly striving to let God convert us more and more each day. And so today, as one community of those united in that effort, we make that prayer together. We say, O God, who show the light of your truth to those who go astray. That's us. So that we may return to the right path, give all of us who for the faith that we profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all that does it honor.